Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. Wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. And if you're a regular listener here, you'll know that last week I counted down my top 10 best films released in the UK in 2018. Well, the new year will be upon us very, very soon. And so for this Kermode on Film podcast, I'm counting down my top 10 worst films of the year. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Now, as I always say, lists are inherently foolish. This is a very personal list, and it's just the movies that right at this moment strike me as the least fun I've had in the cinema this year. But obviously, you'll have your own opinions, you will disagree, so give this a listen and then get in touch. Let me know what you think. The best way to get in touch is through Twitter. My account is at KermodeMovie, and mark your comment, hashtag KermodeOnFilm. But here we go. Top 10 worst films released in the UK in 2018. At number 10, Eli Roth's Death Wish, which I have to say, when I first heard about it, was pretty much the top of my list of films that I wasn't looking forward to seeing. Now, Death Wish actually has a long, strange, twisted history. At one point, it was going to be a Stallone vehicle. Joe Carnahan wrote a script which he was going to direct, and he said that he wrote that script with somebody like Michael Fassbender in mind, not somebody like Bruce Willis, who ended up playing the lead role in Eli Roth's version. According to people familiar with that original Joe Carnahan script, it was quite a complex script that dealt with the loss of masculinity and our propensity for instant violence. Well, all of those themes have gone out the window by the time the film finally made to the screen, starring Bruce Willis and directed by Eli Roth. The men who did it are out there. So there's nothing that you can do? Is that what you're saying? If a man really wants to protect what's his... I want to buy a gun. He has to do it for himself. The weird thing about Death Wish is this. The thing that Eli Roth is famous for is for extremity, is for pushing things too far. He's the guy behind the Hostel movies. He's the guy behind that absolutely repugnant and frankly quite terrible cannibal movie, Green Inferno. And yet, when Death Wish opened here in cinemas... It was a 15 certificate. How? Well, turned out it had been trimmed for theatrical release, and in order to get it down to a 15 certificate, all the BBFC had to do was to, quote, make reductions to a scene of torture in order to obtain a 15 classification. Now, as I've said before, if you're going to see an Eli Roth movie, you pretty much want the full experience. I mean, to be honest with you, if I never saw another Eli Roth movie, I'd be perfectly happy. But the thing I want to see even less than an Eli Roth movie is a cut Eli Roth movie. 
After making this very watered-down, fantastically anodyne and utterly forgettable version of Death Wish, he went on to make The House with the Clock in Its Walls, which just went to demonstrate that he can't direct kids' films either. Now, the real shame of this is the fact that I actually rather liked Eli Roth when he first started out. I thought Cabin Fever was terrific. Back in 2002, I interviewed Eli Roth and I told him how enthusiastic I was about Cabin Fever, how much he seemed like a fresh new voice in the sort of horror thriller area. It's just a real shame that he's never made good on that promise. And number 10 in my worst films of the year, Death Wish. You look much better getting out, socializing. Mm. Not so much. Well, whatever you're doing, keep it up. <laughs> okay. So, on to number nine. And at number nine, a film which I know that I dislike more than many other people do, The Nun. Now, The Nun is a horror movie which is part of the conjuring cinematic universe. And more than one person tweeted me to say that they'd missed a trick by not calling it The Nunjuring. The Abbey has a long history. Valak, not all It's one of those spin-off prequels in which you take a character who is seen fleetingly in some of the other movies and then you just basically give them more backstory. So the backstory is in 1952, there's a creepy castle, there's an officiate nun, there's a troubled priest, there's an annoying French-Canadian who has a comedy catchphrase which is, I'm French-Canadian, and there is a satanic infestation. Now, some people have said they think the film should be commended for its dark, eerie palette. Personally, I thought that watching The Nun was like watching a 2D movie through 3D glasses, which were causing 40% light loss. Everything was grey. Everything was dark. Everything was shadowy. Everything was very, very boring. How many scares were there? None. How much did I enjoy it? Not much. What gave me the most pleasure about The Nun? The fact that Movie Oublier, look them up on Twitter, gave me this fantastic joke. Quiet, quiet, quiet. None! I saw none. On to number eight. And at number eight, I'm disappointed to say we have Johnny English strikes again. The identities of our serving agents have been exposed. The country is in a state of complete chaos. And the universe sends me you. Sir! Yes, all right, Buff. We're going on a mission, not a honeymoon. Yes, of course, Now, this is the latest in the series of Johnny English movies, which have been passably funny here and there, but which I have always thought work best in short form, like in those credit card ads. In Johnny English Strikes Again, the plot is that a cyber attack has outed all of Britain's spies, so only old-school Johnny English is safe and has to be called out of retirement. Emma Thompson co-stars as a harassed, hard-drinking prime minister, making the very best out of a poor script, but this is really Atkinson's film. And here's the thing. I think Rowan Atkinson is really funny, and I think Rowan Atkinson's physical comedy can be absolutely brilliant. But individual set pieces do not make up an entire movie. And the worst thing about Johnny English Strikes Again is that although there are a couple of moments that I did find funny, there's a moment in which he puts on a virtual reality headset and walks out into the street, there's another moment in which he takes a pill which wakes him up and he goes crazy on the dance floor, the film itself is fantastically unfunny. It's baggy, it's weighty, it's overblown, and it treads all over the lightness of its physical comedy. The funniest scene in the film is a scene in which something entertaining happens in the background. And yet for most of Johnny English, all the stuff is foregrounded so much that you feel like it's shoving the jokes down your throat. I'm sad to say it is one of the worst films of the year. She's the key to this case. I'm not 
sure I've ever met a man quite like you. Let me clear up the uncertainty for you. You haven't. At number seven, it's another horror movie, or at least another movie that was trying to scare us, Winchester, directed by the Spirit Brothers, who I have to say in the past I've quite enjoyed. Winchester is based on the real-life story of the firearms heiress who started building a house which she continued to rebuild for 38 consecutive years. Mrs Winchester, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. Do you believe in ghosts, Dr Price? I do not believe in anything I cannot see. Or study. I feel your presence. In the air, in the walls, it has found us. Now, the house itself and its designer have become the subject of legend. Some people say that she was convinced that she was cursed, and the only way that she could alleviate that curse was to keep on rebuilding her California home. It's an intriguing story, and it sounds like the setup for a really interesting film. Instead, it's just a straightforward roller coaster spook ride with lots and lots of things going bang, and Helen Mirren carving herself a huge slice of ham. The film is basically a jump scare movie. It's one of those movies that shouts boo at you regularly and you're meant to jump. I only jumped once in the film and this is what happened. I got so bored that I started to fall asleep and as I was falling asleep, Alan Jones, who was watching the movie with me, prodded me very heavily in my arm and went, oi, wake up, and that was when I jumped. Other than that, not once. You leave my family alone. Your anger will never defeat us. And number six, there was really never any question this was going to be in the top ten, Peter Rabbit. In fact, what's surprising is that Peter Rabbit is only at number six. Once upon a time, in a beautiful wood, there lived a rabbit named Peter with a blue jacket. Sorry! And no pants. This is adapted, of course, from the tales of Beatrix Potter, which have been turned here into a kind of crazy CGI-tastic live-action animation hybrid. My problem with the film is twofold. Firstly, it's a comedy that's not funny, but that's fair enough. There are many comedies that aren't funny. The main problem is that it's not Peter Rabbit. In exactly the same way that Christopher Robin is not Winnie the Pooh, Peter Rabbit is not Peter Rabbit. So why not just call it something else? Why try and take the memory of Peter Rabbit and turn it into something that is so wildly different from its source material? Oh, yeah. Now it's a party. I can't think of one thing that could possibly stop our fun. McGregor is coming. Everyone hide. Now, strangely enough, I'm kind of thinking of number six here as being a double bill of Peter Rabbit and Christopher Robin, because both of them are films which take books which I was very attached to as a child and somehow throw all the magic of those books out the window and turn it into something which is very, very corporate, very, very boring and centrally misses the point of the original source material. You'll also remember that when Peter Rabbit came out, there was a fuss about a scene in which someone is attacked with berries to which they are allergic. The complaint was that the film basically celebrated allergy bullying, and I do understand that complaint, although I have to say from where I was sitting, it was the least of the film's problems. Its main problem is that it's just rubbish. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, just to recap, my top 10 worst films released in UK cinemas in 2018. At number 10, Death Wish. At number 9, The Nun. Number 8, Johnny English Strikes Again. Number 7, Winchester. And number 6, Peter Rabbit. Which brings us to the top 5. And at number 5, Super Troopers 2. They've been waiting for a second chance. Waiting for their country to need them again. That time is... Meow. What do you guys give me if I kill that bird? Barbara, that's a bald eagle. Get away, baldy! Now, if you're a certain age, you'll remember the first Super Troopers, which came out in 2001 and was apparently, for some people at least, a bit of a sensation. 17 years later, we got what, as far as I could see, was the sequel that no one wanted to a film that no one could remember. However, it turns out that I'm wrong. Because the reason we have Super Troopers 2 is that crowdfunding managed to raise $2 million in 24 hours to get the film off the ground in the first place. So clearly, there was an audience for it. The story is that the troopers, all of whom have been fired, are rehired to work in a Canadian border town which is about to become American. And as I was watching this sequel, I was flashing back to the original and remembering that I didn't enjoy it the first time round, but thinking how much more I enjoyed it than the sequel. There is also a strange news tag here. Super Troopers 2 came out in the UK in June, in the middle of a Canadian-US standoff. Now, the film features a joke about Canadians burning down the White House, which we all know now because of the news was actually the Brits, suggesting that Donald Trump had actually seen Super Troopers 2 when he rang up the Canadian Prime Minister and said, didn't you guys burn down the White House? Think about that. The free world being led by a man who seems to have got his information from Super Troopers 2. That really is scary. Guys, what do I win? A one-way ticket to hell. I'm so thrilled to see all the family gathered here celebrating Christmas. On to number four, and I'm going to be quite brief with this. A festive release, Surviving Christmas with the Relatives. This is a movie which is described in the publicity as a Christmas movie from the writer of Fatal Attraction, which sounds like quite an interesting idea. Sadly, it isn't. It's the standard dysfunctional family gets shoved together in a collapsing house where everyone gets on each other's nerves and everything goes wrong. Now, there is pleasure to be had in watching Christmas movies when everyone gets on each other's nerves. The problem with this is that it goes one better. It's like being at a Christmas where everyone is getting on each other's nerves, including yours. Yes, it's from the writer of Fatal Attraction, but it's less boiled bunny, more stuffed turkey. You're making it worse. You're literally fanning the flames. Stop! <laughs> So on to number three in my list of the worst movies released in the UK in 2018, and it's time to say hello, Gerard Butler. You know, it really wouldn't be a list of the worst films of any year if we didn't have an entry from Gerard Butler. And at number three, Hunter Killer, or as I like to call it, Olympus is Sunken. 
We're dealing with a single rogue minister. What if we could free President Zakharin? We rescue the Russian president. We need eyes and ears on the ground. Captain, waiting orders. We're going in with four of our boys and get one Russian president. We need a local navigator. Gerard Butler plays the roguish submarine commander who is brought in to rescue the very honest and good-looking Russian president after rogue elements within his government threaten to start World War III. It's a delicate and sensitive job, so it needs someone with delicate and sensitive skills, like Gerard Butler. We know he's sensitive because at the beginning of the movie, he does a thing quoting the opening from The Deer Hunter. He has an animal in his sights, he lines up the gun, but then he doesn't kill it. Why? Because it has children, and he's sensitive. The film itself is a strange mishmash of wobbly CG, Gerard Butler saying silly things like dive, dive, and Gary Oldman walking around rooms shouting. Now, Gary Oldman may have won an Oscar for Darkest Hour, but he pretty much pays the rent by appearing in B-movies in which he shouts every line for no good reason, but because he can shout very well. So, at number three, Hunter Killer, starring Gerard Butler, doing what Gerard Butler does, and Gary Oldman doing shouty. If we don't pull this off... It's going to be World War III. Which brings us to the top two worst films released in UK cinemas in 2018, and what a depressing pair they make. At number two, The Happy Time Murders. Someone out there (gasps) is killing puppets. Hey, handsome. You looking for some rotten cotton? I'm a woman. That's okay. Yeah, that's even better. Got a good time for you. <laughs> now, we knew that things weren't looking great with The Happy Time Murders after it was announced that the press show for the film was going to happen the day after it opened. It's directed by Brian Henson, son of Jim Henson, and in America, it had the slogan, No Sesame, All Street. Melissa McCarthy is the cop who is forced to team up with a puppet private investigator who was thrown out of the force some years ago. So we have Melissa McCarthy, Muppets and a resistible cocktail of violence, drugs, sex and porn. The strange thing about the film is this. Brian Henson was interviewed on Newsnight about the film. and When he was talking about it, he pretty much admitted that as far as he was concerned, the film wasn't anything like as good as it should have been. He said that when the film was test screened, they wanted to make sure they got the maximum laugh. So at every opportunity, they took out the content and upped the gross factor, which means that even the director himself thought that the film was badly flawed. I thought it was much worse than that. I thought it was really, really horrible and massively unfunny. And of course, it's fantastically derivative. Some reviews compared it unfavourably, it has to be said, to Team America World Police. But the real precedent for this is a film that Peter Jackson made many, many years ago called Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles was basically the Muppets with violence, drugs, sex and pornography. And the strange thing was, Peter Jackson made that movie at a time when he was creatively stifled, when the funding for another project had fallen down, and he suddenly ended up being able to make Meet the Feebles, which, weirdly enough, is his most mean-spirited and nasty film. Watching The Happy Time Murders, I started having fond memories of Meet the Feebles, a film which I absolutely hated when it first came out. The Happy Time Murders is worse. For 50 cents, I'll suck your dick. <laughs> Well, it's a great price. It almost makes me wish I had a dick for you to suck. Or take that as a yes. Which brings me to the number one spot, my least favourite film released in UK cinemas in 2018. Now, I would imagine that many of you haven't seen this film and frankly, think yourself lucky. It is, of course, Show Dogs. Oh, Max, 
I'm an undercover cop working a kidnapping case. A baby panda was stolen, and they're using a dog show as a front for animal smuggling. Why are there dogs in this meeting? That's what partners are for. Show Dogs is a movie for all the family which managed to outrage parents and kids alike. There's a line in Show Dogs in which a talking dog says no one makes talking dog movies anymore. And Show Dogs is the reason why. The plot goes like this. A police dog has to go undercover in dog shows to infiltrate an animal smuggling ring. Will Arnett is the FBI agent who is the dog's handler. As for the dog himself, he has to learn how to put his police training behind him and become a show dog. And in order to do that, he has to overcome a number of obstacles. And one of them is learning not to be upset when a complete stranger fondles and examines his undercarriage. I'll just say that again. One of them is learning not to be upset when a complete stranger fondles and examines his undercarriage. When I was watching the film in the preview cinema, I remember thinking, I can't really believe that they've actually done this. And I wasn't surprised at all to discover that when the movie came out in theatres, it was greeted with gasps and protests. Protests to which the filmmakers, it has to be said, did respond. Responding to concerns raised by moviegoers, they said, and some specific organisations, we've decided to remove two scenes from the film's show dogs that some have deemed not appropriate for children. The company takes these matters very seriously and remains committed to providing quality entertainment for the intended audiences based on the film's rating. Meanwhile, one of the film's two credited writers denied any involvement in the scenes in question, telling CNN that while he had written the original script, those scenes weren't in his version and they were all due to rewrites. So nobody wanted to take credit for it and it's easy to understand why. The film is not only staggeringly unfunny, it is staggeringly inappropriate. The most remarkable thing about it is... These films get made over a long period of time, with a bunch of grown-ups sitting down in a room and considering the pros and cons of any and every scene in the movie. Every element is road-tested before the film gets out there into the cinemas. So how on earth did anyone come up with an idea as bad as Show Dogs and somehow let the finished movie get released into cinemas before being surprised at the reactions it caused? Oh, and beyond that, it's not cute, it's not funny, and it's the worst film of 2018. The pain passes, but the beauty shall remain. So there we are. To recap my worst films released in UK cinemas in 2018, at number 10, Death Wish. At number 9, The Nun, a.k.a. The Nunjuring. At number 8, Johnny English Strikes Again. At 7, Helen Mirren in Winchester. Number 6, Peter Rabbit. Number 5, Super Troopers 2. At number 4, Surviving Christmas with the Relatives. Number 3, Hunter Killer, Hello Gerard. Number two, The Happy Time Murders. And number one, the worst film of the year, Show Dogs. Because remember, no dogs is better than show dogs. Now, obviously, you will have your own opinions. There will be films that I have loved that you will have hated and films that I have hated that you will have loved. Also, you'll have your own list. So let me know what you think. Get in touch through Twitter. It's at KermodeMovie. And mark your comment, hashtag KermodeOnFilm. Happy New Year. Hey, you do remember I bite, right? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 